0: I'm sure you were excited to see Gary Graham's name in the credits and then his beautiful face on screen when he showed up on the view screen for the first time. Because, as you've always said, Soval is your favorite Star Trek character of all time. So I'm sure you were extremely excited to see Sovol in the flesh again, except oh, camp in flesh this time. <laughs>
1: yes, uh, I. Well, you answered the question for me. I knew I recognized him from somewhere, but I didn't do the, <laughs> the bother dog. to do the work to find out why. <laughs>
0: I was um I was sitting with Amy. I wouldn't say she was watching it, but I was sitting with her as I was watching it and uh he came on the screen and I was like, Amy, who's that actor? She's like, I, I have no idea. I was like, Come on, like we've been we've been watching something for for a while, or we watched something recently where he was in it all the time. It's like what was? it? she's like, I have no idea who the fuck that guy is. And it's like, <laughs> and it's starting to get mad. It's like, it's like, come on, you, you, you can't tell me you don't know who he is. We watched something. He was in it all the time. And then the episode ended. I looked it up and it was like, oh, it's it's Gary Graham from Enterprise. She would not, yeah, <laughs> she would not have, she would not have known who that was. So I felt bad, but I didn't apologize because I still think she should know these things. <laughs> um, so Gary Graham is in this one. He is. T- Tannis? I think his name is Tannis in this one. I'll, I'll look that up and review if that's the case. But yeah, he uh, last we saw him, he was Sovol, the recurring character in Star Trek Enterprise, the Vulcan, that uh, we criticized for his Vulcan portrayal. Although I think he's better in this episode than he was in Enterprise's Sovol, although he's not playing Vulcan. He was also going to be, he was a contender for not just Cisco, but Janeway as captain oh no kidding so, yeah he was okay. a contender for both of those roles and the wikipedia says that they decided to go for an african-american and a female so that got knocked him out of both uh contenderships mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. i don't yeah, really see him as cisco at all <clears throat> i don't no, know
1: i honestly i would be curious to know exactly how far in the down who, the line he yeah, got because i mean auditions? he's fine
0: he's just kind
1: of like you know just a, a guy they he's seem fine. to like him
0: like they, they the, yeah. the producers seem to like him for some reason because he came he kept getting all these chances and he's, he's in a few things and then he's in enterprise mm. at the end he's not yeah i don't he doesn't captivate me i don't know really what maybe yeah. he's just a great uh talker or something when he's behind the scenes good. he's a good locker room guy. yeah good locker room guy it's a <clears throat> no i he uh
1: he seems more like a visiting admiral than a captain for the show
0: yeah would you I mean, uh, before we get into it, like just a a quick thumbs up or thumbs down. Did you like his performance in this episode? I did. Yeah, I think um,
1: his performance might be the thing that kind of holds this episode together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because it starts off very promisingly and then gets really weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No faults of Gary Graham's. Yeah, I, I thought he was, I didn't like him as Soval whatsoever, but I thought he was good in this one. And this one is Cold Fire which is the 10th episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on November 13th, 1995. Teleplay goes to Brennan Braga. Story credit goes to Anthony Williams, directed by Cliff Bowl. In-universe dates is 49164.8, which is 2372. In this episode called Cold Fire, while attempting to make contact with the caretaker's mate, who may have the ability to send Voyager home, the crew discovers a colony of Ocampa, whose representative has an interest in in helping her explore her telepathic powers. Uh, they had a little intro here just to remind you that this had happened in Voyager. previously. Yeah. <laughs> that there was a caretaker character and he had a mate out there somewhere. So that j- just so you're not totally confused as to what's going on, uh, we'll lay it out for you in the first five seconds.
1: Yeah, that was, I was not expecting a, so the thing about this episode that was interesting to me is it it really kind of felt like it more like a season finale yeah um given the content and also given the fact that they do a 10 months ago previously on let's jump back to things that happened at the beginning of the show right thing um did you feel like that the 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 recap was necessary i feel i I feel like they kind of cover that shit in dialogue anyway so i don't really know if it's too necessary
0: yeah i i don't think it's necessary because they talk about it quite frequently I, I think it's more indicative of how voyager is different from even ds9 at this point in that it's really not like these these things aren't being touched on in every episode as you go through the season so you mm-hmm. you might be forgiven like maybe it's forgivable or maybe it's just a good idea to give that a little bit of a refresher i didn't think it was necessary but it's um it's certainly a Voyager thing to do, I think.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it. reminded me a bit of um, the way they used to do this stuff on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Check that check that off your bingo card. Mm-hmm. Um, where at a certain point, every there was so much stuff that had happened over three or four seasons or even five, six or seven seasons, that they would always do a previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you could tell what was going to happen in the episode based on the things they reminded you about. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, oh, this guy, I remember that character, I remember her, I remember that plot point, okay, I think I can figure out what this episode's going to be about.
0: Right. It's... it's 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 semi the same, Pierre. I mean, I I I guess the the little bit of trivia to get out of the way is that the this caretaker mate, Suspiria. I don't remember if we talked about this in the pilot. It was designed interesting interesting choice for a name,
1: which we can get into. But
0: yeah, there will be a patron comment. I'll let you lead the first uh, read the first comment. Mm -hmm. Just touches on that. I think that what you're going to say. The character or this this the caretaker mate was devised as a get out of jail card if the concept was failing for the show interesting so it was thrown in last minute as the pilot as there's this other character out there who's exactly the same as the character who brought you here so if you if you ever start going down in the ratings and people start checking out of the show we can get you back home by finding that character and ah yes to spoil things for you this character never returns. So this is Suspiria's final appearance, first and only appearance on the show. And I guess you can take that as a vote of confidence that they like the concept at this point because they kind of washed it away. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I guess, but they don't make the show like they like the concept. <laughs> no, no. They, I mean, they also technically don't really kill the Suspiria character. Like it can come back. Yeah. True.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, knowing that is it is kind of interesting because it's like... It's not like every episode of this show has just been digging deep into the concept that they've set up, and it's like they're you know you know what don't even need this safety net. This thing is just you know running on high octane fuel, <laughs> like a perfectly well oiled machine. Coked up
0: Brandon Braga in the back room just churning out scripts. It's Exactly. Yeah, what it's I mean. like
1: it's you know, I I'm. I applaud them for getting rid of the safety net, if that's what this is, because, yeah. you know, uh, why not? Um, but it, it's not exactly like th- everything that's come before this has has been such a uh, vote of confidence for this concept that you can see why they would want to jettison this thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually a little bit surprised that they even return to it i am frankly
0: too. yeah i i feel you could have just had it in the pilot and forgotten about it and it would never mm-hmm. like i think is what you're saying it, al- it almost makes sense as a first season finale if this was the thing you yeah, know? yeah yes yeah
1: yeah i wonder if it was more like due to they wanted to do the ocampa stuff right and they had to figure out how
0: how to find more Ocampa out there. Yeah.
1: And so they're like, well, we've got this idea we can burn. There's a space station involved. There was a space station involved last time. Yeah. Let's just do that.
0: They're lucky they find literally everything they want right in the straight line to home to Earth in this show. Everything is just on yeah. their way. It's- <laughs> that's So that was the
1: thing that was weird to me about this because, like, you know, again, part of the concept is they're flying home. Uh, I guess maybe they're zigzagging here and there. But I don't know how far. They have traveled at this point, yeah. In 10 but months. like, yeah, in ten months they're far enough out that they come across this oh, this space station that no one else has mentioned before. Like nobody else clearly knows that this exists. Yeah. Um, but when they get there, uh, so what's his name in the movie? Tanis, I think. I think Tanis. Yeah. Tanis. Uh, Tanis is like we. We've heard all about your ship. Everybody talks about your ship. All you do is kill people. Ship of death. And I was just... Coming yeah, for and us. I was like, I was like are, they just, are they just reading the... Do they get the newspaper there or something? Yeah. <laughs> or
0: The, <laughs> the, the emails Galactic? go at light speed yeah. faster than the ship just to get out there and just let them know.
1: Like, how... Why do they know about Voyager at all? Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. It's, it, it's not, not that big of a deal, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know how deep into this concept we're getting if the idea is that they are just flying through deep space trying to get home. Yeah. But they keep running into stuff that kind of makes their universe very small.
0: I feel it's pretty distracting. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I should be able to ignore, but I keep like, you know, it makes me want to go back and dig through the older series to see what the longest stretch of time that someone traveled at High Warp was and how far they made it in that time. Yeah. Because they've been traveling for a year, basically. And... They're still bumping into things that people know. Yeah. Which seems like a I don't know. There there must be some sort of Wikipedia that tells you how long it would take to travel across the Federation or whatever at high warp speed. So well, um, it makes me it makes me think about one of my pet peeves of Discovery,
1: which is that Discovery we was supposed to be in like deep space, yet every other episode someone just showed up on a on a shuttle crash. Right.
0: You can always find the ship.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I, why even bother bringing it up if you're just going to do this? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you, um, do you want to start? With like, is the Okampa a good place to start here? Uh, did you, what, what tickled your fancy about this one that you want to, do you want to discuss? Uh, be it the Ocampa, the Suspiria, the caretaker mate, the tutelage of Tuvok and Kess, whatever it is. Um, I want to start
1: with how when, uh, Todd, ta- damn it. What's what the name his name? Tannis. Tannis. Yeah. Ah, Tannis. I don't I can't remember that. When Tannis was like, uh <laughs> uh, um, I've sent out a message in subspace to Suspiria. She'll respond within 47 hours.
0: Yep. Not two days, 47 hours.
1: 47 hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oddly, oddly specific. <laughs> well, I mean, they, the campans have a strong grasp on Earth time signatures. You know, like I, they, apparently. They know yeah. years that soul, like they know solar yep. years and they know yep. hours of the day on an Earth day. Yep. Uh, I think that the, I think that the and then we, they were like, should we tell you if when she contacts He's like, don't bother. I know everything. And then they page him later. and He's like, I know. Suspiria is here. I'm on my way.
1: <laughs> there was some I honestly my favorite thing about this episode. And I know where this is not. I'm not answering the question that you asked me. But it's fine. The thing that I loved in this episode was when uh, they they figure out that this thing is is nearby. And Tuvok is just like, Captain, the last time we encountered this thing, it almost destroyed us. Would you like me to prepare a nerve gas that we could take this thing
0: out with if we have to? <laughs> and to her credit, she says yes, and he builds yeah. the killer gun that can take her down. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just thought that I thought there was going to be more of like a, a children, point torture or, children, torture yeah, children sequence something. with Tuvok. Yeah, but no, it's just like no Tuvok's being prepared by by preparing a uh, a very targeted uh, weapon. I guess. It sounded more lethal when he was explaining it, but I guess based on the way it worked, it wasn't lethal. But, no, it's uh, just
0: like a blue phaser. It's not red. It's yeah, just a blue one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought, r- this is a long,
1: long way of me saying it. we can start wherever you want.
0: Well, I thought I. So my my impression while watching this was I was intrigued more than I was interested by this one, and sure, it's like when it was over, I. I When it was over, it made me wonder why I was so intrigued by it in the first place. And I don't think it's a bad episode. I think it's actually probably the best episode we've seen in a while, really. But it does this thing where I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to grab onto as interesting in this one, because it feels like a lot of it is fleshing out the memory alpha page for the Ocampans, like you give them a little bit of facts about them or something, but I don't really understand why Tannis wants Kes to stay with her, with them. I don't understand what's going on on that station. I don't understand if the caretaker is abusing the Ocampans or what the caretaker's mate is trying to do with them or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And the episode itself doesn't really care to answer any of that stuff. So what you're left with is a kind of boilerplate Star Trek episode, which is about a person who finds their their family and is kind of torn about whether or not they should go back with them. But at the same time, I don't think that this episode does anything compelling to make me care about it. But at the same time, I didn't think it was all that bad, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I actually, um, I would say the first half of this, I was actually pretty into it. And, uh, I thought I was like, Oh, this is actually pretty good. I, and again, I couldn't really kind of really put my finger on why. Um, I just did, I was intrigued by it. I think it was right around the time where Kes uh, almost scanners Tuvok mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> um, I thought because, you think that
0: was the high point. I didn't oh, to- no, I,
1: I didn't say I
0: didn't like it. Oh, but sure. I,
1: it's just like as far as this episode goes, I feel like from that point it just gets really squishy. Okay. Uh, and I'm not really sure what it's about anymore um, because you've got, this this kind of uh, interesting intrigue about the Ocampons, and he's like, yeah, you know, we're all fourteen here, or you know, my my dad lived to be twenty. Yeah. So there's there's there is this kind of <laughs> the future.
0: Of, the future is wide open
1: for us. Yeah the 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 future of AD eight hundred nine on Earth. <laughs> um, you know, you, you do get this element of like, oh, you know, maybe Kess is going to go back to to the, her people and stuff, and like that's kind of interesting. Um. Has but a moment with they,
0: Neelix where she's like, Neelix, you can come too. And you think that's going to build to something where he's not allowed to go, is what right, I was expected. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then they start getting into um, telepathy and telekinesis and uh, turning Cass into fire. like. Yeah. She, like they turn Cass into like the Dark Phoenix yeah. or something. And yeah. she toasts all of the, uh, <laughs> the stuff in the hydro, whatever. And she burns all the, the plants. Growing, yeah, the potato yeah. plants. Yeah. Um, and like from that point, I don't know. I and you know, then the giant centipede shows up, and like it was cool stuff. Like I was kind of interested by the the weirdness of it. Yeah, but I wasn't really engaged on like a story level. Like when when Jane when Janeway comes in and and she uh into the the engine room and nobody's in there and then Torres' uh, <laughs> bloody nose drips onto her yep. shoulder. Yep. and she looks up and they're all floating. That was pretty cool. That was like creepy and, yeah, and weird and stuff. Um. But, yeah, ultimately, if the whole thing was just a plot to get revenge on Voyager, that's not super satisfying. And the way it ends isn't super satisfying where yeah. the thing just goes, you let me live. And she's like, yeah, we let you live. Ah, well, screw you guys. And then she Bye. just leaves. And then and Tannis then is like, take me with you.
0: <laughs> and then that's it. Like, I don't know.
1: Are, is there are there now two hundred and ninety nine Ocompin back on the space station wondering where their buddy went? Like, what's yeah, what's it, going on?
0: I don't know. I I got the impression she's still going to take care of them. Although it's never explained why they take care of the Ocompins. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 wide open. It's not like there's contradictions. It's just that it feels like there there's there's this attempt to flesh out what this is, but it's also kind of being punished by the Voyager setup, which is that we can't hang out with the Ocampans or, Compens or whatever, whatever for that long, right? Like, you're not going to meet them at a certain point anymore. So you run into that kind of issue. I, I think that, um, like, it's noble what they're trying to do, and I genuinely like Kess as a character, but all the shows, I feel like all the Star Trek shows after DS9 have not really been good at setting up new species for me to become invested in. Yeah. I, I just yeah, don't they, know what these, like, you know, they, they, they just, they're just this sort of species of weird facts. Like they have a very short lifespan. Yes. They are ens- it, yeah. enslaved by caretaker aliens. For some reason they have, now they have telekinetic powers and Maybe this was would have been cool in the 90s to me, but I'm just really not interested in telekinetic powers at this point. It just does it doesn't I don't find it I feel like it's been done so much and that's it's hard to hold it against the show because it did come out in 1995, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I'm not this is not an intriguing power set to me, really. Yeah, or at least it's not
1: portrayed in a very intriguing. Like it's yeah, it's nothing anyone who's watched sci-fi genre stuff hasn't seen before yeah. um uh the the what i mean it is a little bit interesting that it's literally um like the way that he gets her to that point where he's like no just think about the molecules heating up and uh i mean i guess it shows you the danger of of uh, this is why professor x's school is necessary mm-hmm. because like she gets a handle on those powers and she doesn't know what right. to do? Yeah, um, I did think it was hilarious how uh, Tanis kept picking the uh, the pretty the most intense moment to to just peace out for the night. Yeah, where, <laughs> where he's like, "Good, you've you've managed to you've managed to bring the fire through the molecules and heat your drink up." Up to a boiling point it is an intensely dangerous power that only the most <laughs> only the most talented okoban can wield anyway that's enough for today i'll talk to you tomorrow I, I, and then I, he just
0: left it takes <laughs> it's the same with after she fries Tuvok's brain he's just like well uh, i gotta get back to work yeah. <laughs> good stuff good stuff we'll uh talk to we'll you tomorrow talk, we'll talk about this tomorrow yeah that's we'll it. talk again in 47 hours I think that's a... It's not really even this episode. I think that's a big weakness of Voyager because I was... Like, I Voyager always gets kind of kicked down and and beat up on for being a TNG clone. And I was thinking that, like, I'd be fine with Voyager aping TNG plots. But what I really think is, is tough for this show is that it doesn't develop the character storytelling in any way... Post TNG, like there's just no development in how these stories work out. So even outside of the O'Kempans and um, the sort of like no one reacting to new power sets and new information in a way that feels like it's a believable response to this ultimate power that they're now in in witnessing. Mm -hmm. Even the fact that when they find the caretaker, it's like any other Tuesday. You know, they're like, well, maybe this thing will send us back. That'd be great. And they go off and it's like, no, one. there are no scenes in this show where characters are like, I can't believe we have a chance to go home. You know? Right. Yeah. It's just so weird. They don't
1: don't talk about it at all. Like they, they, you know, we've talked many times about how the thing that makes... Any of these shows good, but specifically Deep Space Nine good is that a lot of the characters on Deep Space Nine have pretty clearly defined like ethos and belief sets, so you, yeah, you know you know how these characters are going to either th- agree with each other or disagree with each other, and that's where the, the interesting drama and conflict of your show comes from. Um, an episode like this feels a lot more like Enterprise, where I'm, like it's it's a weird mix because the characters on this show, I feel like. Do actually have interesting point of views, except for Tom Paris, who apparently was not invited to show up for this one. <laughs> He's in uh, this one at some point, isn't he? he says is he, I don't think he is. Is he
0: in it at all? He has something about like the ship's hull is turning into molecule soup. Or oh, something. that's right. Yeah. yeah he
1: he just he just drives them there and yep. then is not in the rest of the episode. But but everybody in this show, you kind of have a, a more or less of an idea of of what their ethos is. Um, but when you get to a situation like this where you would think these things would generate conversation or conflict. Uh it just don't. Like yeah. even even with the the Kess and, and Neelix stuff, they don't even you know, they, there was more discussion between them about whether or not Tom Paris was hot for mm-hmm. uh, Kess than there was this idea that she might leave the ship and go back to an O'Campan um yeah. space station. It, that you know is like, like it is yeah nobody's really talking about it uh the idea that they could be sent home nobody's talking about it um
0: you know it's just it's, Kessa's it's tough powers, I, like no there's no gossiping yeah, like about no, her yeah
1: yeah Kess's power nobody seems to the way when she goes to the when she goes to the the sick bay and apologizes for being late and she's like i'm sorry i'm late Tuvok was teaching me all about telep- telepathy and mind reading and listening to people's thoughts. I was expecting the doctor to be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, yeah, you know, right? Like, yeah, just right there. Or down, like, down.
1: or or offer some retort like, "Well, Kes, there's never been any proven uh, scientific backing or or explanation for anything you're talking." about. like, you know, there's nothing like that. Where he's the he's the hard fact medical robot. He's not right. going to believe in telepathy or you know what I mean that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um but he's just like, well, uh don't don't be late next time, I suppose. Yeah. Um I did like the line about you'd think a Vulcan would have better respect for being punctual. That was pretty good. <laughs> uh but but to to go back to what you're talking about about the um the lack of memorable aliens. I think the what you said is exactly right where they're just a collection of facts. And if you look back at Deep Space 9 or uh, next generation, or, I mean, even go all the way back to TOS if yeah, you want TOS to. But, yeah, TOS too, yeah. The aliens that stick around are the ones with a point of view. Yeah. You know, or 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 an ethos. And the ones that don't are the ones that are just people got some bumps on their face and they, they've got a history that people like to talk about right uh that we come from a planet of trees and then we uh, if we don't cut the trees down <laughs> then we're going to die it's like okay great they have, they have awesome. a history not a culture yeah they, yes yeah. yeah um but but it's the ones that have a point of view are the ones that stick around because that's what makes any thing or any person really interesting on a show right yeah. it's like what's their point of view in the situations you put them in
0: yeah it, i think it's And they've had a lot of chances after that, but I don't think any of them are really all that memorable. And I think that the Ocampans here just, I I struggle to see how you can turn this into something interesting because they didn't even really put down any breadcrumbs about like what's going on on this space station. Like they're being medically experimented on in some ways to expand their life and stuff like
1: that. They really moved away from that stuff real quick. Yeah. Where they just they just got Tannis on the ship and he was like, "What if I just went with you and we never talked about my space station again?" <laughs> Would that be cool? Wake, wake me up in 43 hours on the dot.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's um it's tough and I because I think there's some maybe it's just because we've gone through a long stretch of relatively bad voyager episodes that i thought that this one was intriguing just because it was at least developing that somehow um i'm just not i just don't like the dark phoenix powers all that yeah. much i don't find it super interesting and you know just to bring it full circle what you're saying like it's not even interesting in the dark phoenix way where the other characters acknowledge that there is now the a being with incredible power in their midst that doesn't can't control it like it's a lot a lot of responsibilities put on tuvok here to just rein (laughs) this in somehow (laughs) well even so
1: like at the end of the episode she basically goes yeah he taught me how to use those powers but honestly not really feeling it so i'm just not going to do it anymore (laughs) right tuvok is like i mean it's always going to be in there you know and she's like yeah
0: i'll keep it bottled up yeah Works, works for you
1: yeah, so it's like uh, what's the I don't know. I don't know what the point of introducing this stuff is if if you're just going to toss it like that. And like nobody nobody cared she she cooked all of the food that they were growing? Yeah. Like yep. that's you'd think someone would notice or care after she uh yeah. her her powers developed in the form of leaning on the color time digital color time button for a little bit in that in that scene. And, and um,
0: they're distracted by the caretaker mates. Who has relatively little to do with anything by yeah. the end of it you know and it's i i think that what makes this one good get by for me is that it is vaguely creepy in a lot of in, mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. scenes some scenes are pretty actually disturbing um the the Tuvok brain melting scene is pretty disturbing um it so it has that going forward i think that it has a a little bit of an energy just because there's a goal in mind from the start of like find the caretaker's mates and send us home even though no one really wants to talk about it and mm-hmm. then it just has a it has decent scenes between Tannis and Kess, but they ultimately aren't all that uh there's not that much there to chew on really between the two of them because I don't understand why he wants Kess. he like he doesn't I'm not wrong he did, he never says that you are the most powerful O'Copan campin we've ever seen, right? He never mentions anything like that
1: right no not that i not that I can remember. He seems to just uh you know she's just out there, and she's one of them i I guess that's enough for him yeah but there there doesn't seem to that's the thing that was so strange is when they get into that ulterior motive scene where where he walks into his room and he's talking to the disembodied slug
0: voice yeah, um you can have the girl, I want the ship. Right, I was like,
1: okay, Um, creepy. I mean, it worked in Empire Strikes Back when he has that first scene with with the Emperor. Yep. Um, But, like, what does he want with the girl other than just the fact that she's Okompan? Yes. No, clear.
0: it seemed like a power thing that you'd bring up. Like, that's the reason why. And also... Uh, the caretaker seemed to have a lot of power. Is it is it explained why she can't just crush the ship with, like, a snap of no. her fingers? I
1: was thinking, like, it would it would have... I mean, this would have been a lot of... Uh, very expensive and even weirder. But, I mean, I, I kind of feel like they should have gone weirder with it. But, like, if they... This caretaker thing... Have we seen the caretaker in slug form? Did we see that in the pilot? No, he was, like, a remember. big
0: blob, a big jellyfish blob when we saw him in the first one. Okay.
1: Because, like... If you've got, if you run into this creature that exists on like a different dimensional vibration or whatever the explanation is, um, and then it and it you you go into its space and then it shows up on your ship. I feel like you could get some really creepy imagery out of that to have this basically like like the end of sunshine. You know, yeah, right. when the guy comes back on the ship and he's like the the, the sun monster. Yeah, and then and then if you want put kess up against the sun monster with her new powers and yeah yeah she torches the thing or something i don't know
0: yep yeah it's a good point it just feels also separate from from each other it does would you say uh i, I haven't gotten a general sense of your, of whether or not you like this one did you did you i mean it, it's it's kind of a final I mean, thoughts thing but like were, were yeah. you, you you maybe sound a little bit more negative than me but i'm just curious about it no i i did actually enjoy
1: the episode Mm. um but i do think it's it is like a tale of two halves where while i still enjoyed it for what they were showing me i don't think it holds together narratively very well yeah um it kind of seems like they get to a certain point and they just kind of don't really know what to do and so they just start throwing stuff at the wall which is fine you know sometimes yeah. that's it can be more fun if if it's fun enough it doesn't matter if it makes any sense. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm never going to I'm never going to thumbs down s- scanner's special effects of <laughs> people bleeding out of their nose <laughs> while someone looks at them wide-eyed and starts like shaking their face. How did they get her pupils so dilated? Oh,
0: I don't know. I didn't every notice. Every close
1: up every single close up on Kess, her pupils were dilated like she was huh. six
0: beers deep. Wow. Just uh, contacts, I suppose, at that point. Just Maybe. To, I don't know. I, I mean,
1: because I thought I was trying to figure out if it was the light, but I was like, the light can't be that low. The light would need to be so low <laughs> for her eyes to get that dilated. And, and they're they're probably, I mean, you need light on these shows. They usually blow them out because you need so much light. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it was a trip. Maybe that's just how her eyes look and I've just never noticed before. I don't know. Maybe they use contacts. Who's to
0: say? It's the fire within. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we talked about Kess and the Okampans or Okampans, whatever they're pronounced. Um, anything else that we've left out of this one? I think that pretty much covers it. It's, uh, I <laughs> I guess, maybe just some random scenes that I thought were funny was um, Kess, oh, like at the very start where Tuvok is training Cass, Kes and Kess hears Neelix's thoughts. They're like, let's just check in on your boyfriend to see what he's thinking about. <laughs> um, A, I thought it was genuinely kind of funny. But I really desperately wanted that to end with just like she listens to him talk and then she says, my God, I'm dating an idiot or something like this. Some <laughs> kind of like realization that goes on. But they, as it was, it was, I thought it was a pretty funny scene, even if it is um, a little bit invasive to just randomly hear the thoughts of Neelix as he's going about his day. Uh, nothing else other than that, I don't think. I, I'm, I'm just briefly going through my notes. I don't really think I see anything else about it. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: we kind of. No, I think we kind of hit most of it. I think it's important because
0: Kes, Kess Kess's pyrotechnics are going to develop. Just so you know, like this becomes her thing. Um, the caretaker does not reappear, but the, this Kess uh, power system or power level or whatever is going to be something that continues along with her. So we'll see if that develops in any kind of a way. It's just that I. <clears throat> I think my final point on it will just be that because there's a lack of character work Kess's powers are not super meaningful to me. You know, yeah. like I don't know yeah. the Jean Grey storyline that well enough but at least like I can I can imagine something where the dark phoenix ability there's at least some kind of like it's like a semi sacrifice or I'm, I'm probably mistaking it or something but there there's like a little bit of like a losing yourself to it which this episode yes. doesn't get into at this point but but you need something like that to make it interesting because otherwise it's just a, a sort of a child with a loaded gun in a room which is you know kind of interesting as it's happening but there's not really a lot to talk about once it's over yeah
1: they they don't really have enough time to get into anything really interesting there
0: um, should be thematic, is, I guess is my point. Like there should be Kess's power should be some sort of foil to her as a character, you know, which it gives her a different angle or a different set of characteristics or dialogue that she can have with characters. But it doesn't really have that there. It's just the danger of having the ability is all that's left in the episode.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, at the end of it, she doesn't really. Again, they they kind of save it a little bit with that last line from Tuvok, but honestly, Kes doesn't seem concerned enough. Yeah, that it really lands. Yeah, and and seems like oh, now she has to live with this power that she needs to control. It,
0: it's just sort of kind of a,
1: a bit of a throwaway.
0: You know? Yeah, it's the kind of one that like the episode should maybe you know maybe not should but like you could see it ending in a. Vaguely inception, a way where Tuvok leaves her quarters or something and she looks at something and it, it like something boils or something in the background, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just to show that there's a little bit of uh, uncontrollable danger that's still lingering there, even if Kess isn't aware of it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But no, they just continue their training. So that's it. We'll go to Patreon Thoughts. Thanks everybody for listening to the content. We'll go now to Patreon thoughts where people leave their thoughts at patreon.com slash the Penske file which is the place to support the show and you get extra stuff we covered Alita Battle Angel recently Clay and Amanda are going through the second string of Stephen King movies all that stuff is up there and you could also leave your comments about upcoming episodes of Star Trek Voyager and we read them and here how do I make it's been so long since I've been on Discord where the hell is your little face there it is I'll send this one to you Clay this is the first one from Kyle Barrett, and I think this is going to reference what you were talking about at the start of things here, Clay. so you can read this Okay, one. I have to figure out where it's going to show up here. <clears throat> the very last sentence, I'd assume. Aha.
1: Cold fire. Soval himself, Gary Graham, joins the cast and hopefully gave Tim Russ some Vulcan acting tips while on set. Tuvok is, again, superb, and I enjoyed him preparing a weapon to use against Suspiria almost immediately. His own Vulcan hello being a giant hypodermic needle-looking thing that shoots lasers at a little girl, my kind of Star Trek episode. Mm -hmm. It does harken back to my favorite moment of the next generation, where Riker fries (laughs) that little girl with a phaser. (laughs) This one is very predictable and I could guess every twist and turn except for maybe the weird fire orgasm. But Jennifer Leon puts in a good performance. The highlights are the horror influences from Carrie <clears throat> from Carrie Kess to the little girl being just a few bone breaks away from go- going full-blown Vecna on Janeway. And while Suspiria got away, maybe Tenebr- Tenebrum <laughs> maybe T- Tenebrum and <sighs> Lacrimarum <Lacramarum laughs> can help Voyager in the future. Three Dario Argento references out of five. It is a strange choice for a name. It was, I was, it was nice to see it, but I was kind of wishing that they. Every time they said it, I was kind of uh, wishing that the Goblin music would kind of fade up in the
0: background. Suspiria is the name of one of his films, right? Have you covered? That? Yes. Have, have you covered? It we on, have. We have not covered Suspiria yet. No,
1: okay. I'm looking forward to it though because that's that's a banger. So.
0: Yeah, it, it is a weird uh, reference. I'm just, my, my uh, point of reference is Disturbia, the Rihanna song from like a yes. decade ago. I keep singing that when I hear Suspiria. But if you guys want to listen to the coverage of Suspiria, you can subscribe to Real uh, Ron Horror Picture Show. I'll go to the next one here. Thank you, Kyle. Taxile Bear says the caretaker species returns, but not in an episode designed to end the series, but instead in one where Kess and the Okampa get some development. We finally get some more information on the Okampa's psychic powers and find out that they have more than one culture. Refreshing. Also Kess also incinerating Kess almost incinerating Tuvok Alive was horrifying. It was horrible. <laughs> Next one is Jaron Hatch, who has this to say. Cold Fire
1: It's not saying much about this season when a perfectly average episode feels like a breath of fresh air after the last few we've gotten. Fun ideas, intriguing ideas, and good moments, but nothing really amounts to anything, and we're essentially right back to the status quo when it's all said and done. Who knows? Maybe the next Caretaker episode will be super awesome. It's not like they'll completely forget about this one like I already have, right? 2.5 boiled Tuvok heads out of 5. 2.75. 2.75. 2.75. Sorry. 2.75.
0: Sorry. We, don't, we don't work in quarters. We just work in halves here. Benjamin Espinosa says, Coldfire, this is a good cast episode, and like a lot of Voyager, it's a little bit creepy. What makes this one and a lot of Voyager's better episodes work is the unpredictability of the stories. They do not end where you think they will. This one had a lot of threads happening at once, but they all tied together nicely and pushed Voyager's arc forward and not all resolved in a nice bow. Four boiled Tuvok's out of five next one is patrick seba with a little bit of poem for you i was you know i will say Mm -hmm. the one thing that i was
1: curious about is why nobody seemed to care while they were doing this super secret uh or like super intense telekinesis study that that Neelix was just chilling out, like, cooking spaghetti or something yeah, in the background? Yeah, s- sitting in the background. Yep. I thought that was going to become, like, a point of contention or something, but it, it did not.
0: No, it ties into our Neelix, like, the characters don't talk about it. Like, this episode, there's a lot of ways that you could go with this one, whether it's not Voyager's trying to get home, whether it's about Kess trying to decide if she wants to go there, whether it's about Neelix's jealousy or not wanting to let go of Kess, and they just yeah. kind of dodge all the stories. <laughs> Interestingly, it, it is, as you were saying, it feels very much like an Enterprise thing. Like, this is Braga's um weakness i think as a writer mm. is that he mm-hmm. he tends to seem to want to do this a lot which is to avoid actually getting into anything that the story might be about and instead focus on the, the like the details of it
1: yeah yeah
0: this is Ciba, cold, Patrick
1: Seba sorry cold fire enriching her life Kess is no more blind the goal not the task flambe tuvok in kind Janeway shoots a child with Ocampa stockpiled. Tease me with fingers of your mind. Three hearts forged of barbarism and violence
0: out of five. That's what's in their hearts. Erin Million says, Finally, we have an episode that actually tries to develop cast instead of keeping her two-dimensional as either the doctor's assistant or Neelix's love interest. Gary Graham is good here, and so is Jennifer Leon. and the scene with Tuvok almost dying was good. Yet the ending was predictable. So far, this show has some good concepts, but it's just not firing on all cylinders very often. Three burnt-up nurseries out of five. <laughs> Why did it do that? There we go. Next one is Jonas coming in with a copy paste insert click there you go
1: cold fire there is a clear parallel to odo and the changelings with the ocampa especially when the ocampan ambassador mentions that all the ocampans are connected in ways kes cannot imagine there was excellent drama in the near burning of tuvok and the sinister sounding little girl caretaker i bet west gives it a very strong three it's very good yet not quite the I'd show it to someone to give them a taste of Voyager category. Three Neelix ear ear hairs out of five.
0: We'll see if you are right by the end of the episode. Latte Librarian says, Coldfire, the planet ocompin has got a raw deal. This caretaker seems way better, giving them more than double the lifespan and superpowers. Three reminds me of Scanners out of five. Changeling is the next person who is bringing up a a (coughs) carry reference in this one, it looks like. There you go.
1: Coldfire. This is the most I have been entertained. I guess I don't have to keep saying the name, but <laughs> <Cold> <laughs> I just want to represent. I just want to represent everyone's writing as they wrote it. You know, I like to do I it just because it's like ones. a.
0: It, it's like it. It brings us back to our radio roots, where I have to keep reminding people who are just tuning in what the fuck we're talking about. That's why <laughs> I do it.
1: You're joining us at 9:23 p.m. with Cold Fire. This is the most I've been entertained by Voyager in a long time. <laughs> Gray Graham is great in this. He really plays seductive and skeevy well, and his dialogue about beyond the physical and beyond the flesh sounds like something out of the head of David Cronenberg. It didn't stick the landing, but it is better than falling flat on your face on takeoff. Also, Tuvok mentions he has a, he has dark thoughts sometimes. Foreshadowing, four firestiders out of... <laughs> four
0: fire starters out of carry to the rage clay i got this crazy news story i want to read to you a man in indiana had his dick cut off by his wife and now we're gonna have to take calls about what's happened with that story Well,
1: stick around and make sure you visit herbchambers.com for all of your used cars and new car needs Oh, radio! I don't miss you whatsoever. Herb Chambers—they have the worst. This is a very specific comment to Massachusetts. I'm going to make, but they have the worst billboards. Have you ever seen their billboards?
0: Uh, I, I—it's funny you say that. I was—we were on a drive the other day, and I noticed billboards for what felt like the first time in a while. But no, I haven't seen Herb's uh, I, ads. I—he he must have paid his like nephew
1: twenty bucks to make them or something because mm-hmm. they're, they're—they're always white background with like a stock photo image and then like two lines that don't make any sense together. For instance, the one that I keep seeing when I get off the highway now is white background uh picture of a dog, just a picture of a dog. Yep. And it says good boy,
0: great deals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. I wonder how far Herb is uh, spread out into the rest of the, the country. Is he just a New England thing? I don't know. I that's a great question. Apparently, he has a yacht
1: the size of like a uh, housing development <laughs> that's in Boston <laughs> Harbor, though. So, well,
0: oh, good for him selling cars. Who'd have thought? Point extra G, cold fire, we get a proto version of the now all-too-common previously-on segments that start almost all current TV. It's kind of weird having Majel give us a plot breakdown of the pilot episode. I don't recall her doing that at the start of any other episode. Having the appearance of the caretaker's mate be the backdrop for a Kes episode is a very unexpected way to have this one turn out. Matt Ross, oops. Ugh. Copy. Paste. Copy. this is Matt Ross's thoughts about Cold Fire. Cold Fire. This started with an unneeded recap that
1: could have been handled with a line like, hey, there's a signal like the caretaker over there, and the blob said his pal could send us back. Let's check it out. Check it out. Guess his powers are a bit scary, and I remember when I first saw this, I was like, what's the green liquid, but then seeing Tuvok convulse was pretty cool. The big problem here is that no one knows anything about Italian horror films being a Paramount crew. Otherwise, they would know when someone is named Suspiria, they are bad and also the name. Come on. And the technobabble. Sp-
0: Sporocystian,
1: right. I think. <clears throat> Sporocystian hexaprismatic plasmodic fields. Wow. That's at least 50 cents of words right there. Otherwise, this seemed like a waste of time as it was over super quick. Two reused space stations
0: out of five. Hmm. Oops, the next comment is, who the hell is this? Artorius says, an episode where the Jedi Padawan gets tempted with the dark side by the seduction of a new Sith Master who offers them unlimited power but resists and stays with the old Master. Oh wait, that's a different franchise. Tuvok is one of the best acted characters on the show and really knows how to hit all the subtle Vulcan mannerisms. On another note, Voyager really has a bad reputation and everyone assumes the worst from them, probably Kazon propaganda. But you would think Tannis would have told Suspiria they didn't kill her hubby. And you would think the telepathic species could figure this out by reading their minds. I guess not. Two burned plants out of five. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those weird episodes. I didn't even really think about that. Like, I didn't... I don't know what that says about the episode, but it's it's like... Those little details are the stuff that just slipped me by because it never mm. seemed like it was going to amount to anything. Royo mm. says this about Coldfire.
1: Oh, did you already send it? Oh, I yeah, did, okay. yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Cold Fire, the sequel to The Caretaker, a plot you guys thought would be dropped for the rest of the show. Get, I mean, we were technically right. If they, <laughs> they brought, <laughs> if this is the only other time, one out of uh,
0: two out of one hundred seventy-eight. Yeah. Not
1: bad. Uh, Gary Graham shows up as an intimidating and grumpy elf makes me think he'd be a shoe-in for a casting call for Elrond in Lord of the Rings. When Kess starts melting faces, her shrieks remind me of the Ringwraiths for whatever reason. Hmm. Gary Graham also acts like a Sith Lord trying to tempt Kess to the dark side, something that requires at least a decent amount of charisma to pull off which helps save the episode. Overall, I don't really remember this episode as being particularly good, but throughout it there is a sense of foreboding, sense of foreboding dread. An intrigue that sets it apart from the dull episodes three out of five and as we all know from the first trailer for michael mann's miami vice the meaning of the word foreboding is that bad things are going to happen
0: <laughs> i didn't have the thesaurus on my phone i agree with that last sentence quite a bit there there's just some there's there's something that sets it apart from the other bad yeah. episodes mm-hmm. that makes it just a little bit better even though i don't Honestly, think it's good. You know, I know this is not intentional
1: cuz I I I, well, I mean, maybe it is, but I I doubt it. Um naming the thing Suspiria kind of fits because this does have a little bit of like an Italian horror feel yeah. where it, there's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue and foreboding dread and stuff, but like once you try to piece the plot together, you're like, "Ah, I probably shouldn't even bother." Right. I I'm right. just I just rather marinate in the weird stuff.
0: Yeah, that's probably it could be I mean, I, I would imagine it's an intentional choice. So right? it's because that seems like the kind of thing the show would do. If someone's a fan, this does have enough moments of strange horror in it. But it just—it's the—it's uh, the thing that we've talked about that Star Trek always kind of runs into, which is that when Star Trek tries to do certain genre stuff, it cannot do it because Star Trek's tone doesn't allow it to happen. You know? Yeah. The, the yeah. way that you write these kind of Star Trek episodes doesn't really mesh well with Italian horror outside of the most forced of um, comparisons or something like you can't really embrace what makes that genre work in a way that would make a Star Trek episode work at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, for, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I have long had a dream of doing a, a movie that was a tribute to Italian horror movies where um, I, I would shoot the entire thing in Italian yeah then have the actors dub each other in english mm-hmm. uh just to really get that feeling of not quite not quite <laughs> getting the the language across. <laughs>
0: Brendan Neil Howell says, Coal Fire, finally an episode that separates Kess from the Doctor and Neelix, but why does no one get suspicious when Tannis tells the crew the caretaker's mate is named Suspiria, which I'm certain is a horror movie from the 70s. Tannis comes across in the same rapey way of Vulcan who forcibly mind-melded with T'Pol and Fusion does. Kess literally making Tuvok's blood boil is terrifying. 3.5 O'Compen giggles out of 5. I'm trying to think now, like,
1: what? I don't think that there's like any direct reference to that Suspiria. would be like, yeah, that would be like, oh, this makes sense that they named this character Suspiria.
0: Is there no floating bodies in that movie? Uh,
1: not particularly, not that I can remember. There's some hanging bodies, or at least one. Mm. Um, <clears throat> mostly witch stuff. Yep. Not not so much. I don't think there's any telekinesis in it. Oh no. Okay. I would have I would have expected sh- that. They should have named the, the alien Lucio Fulci's The Beyond.
0: <laughs> that would have been more appropriate. Undiscovered Mugato is the next one with Cold Fire. Cold Fire. You'll
1: get caught up in the cold, cold fire. fire. Uh, I played that game recently since for the first time uh, since I was a kid, Crossfire. Yep. Fire. yep. Uh, it gets old real fast.
0: Yeah. Eventually, you're not- just both shooting the balls at the star and it's not <clears> going anywhere yeah
1: yep yeah, yep yeah. assuming the guns work correctly, which at this point they might right, yeah but, uh,
0: you also your adult hands just tend to crush the games like that at true. this point, yeah. That's
1: true. The last time I played Hungry Hungry Hippos, right. I, think I killed
0: <laughs> killed five of the hippos. Yeah, the the hippos are their backsides are busted and the marbles are going everywhere. But they just, they, I, I was, just, I hit, <laughs> I hit that
1: lever and the thing just like exploded like Mega Man.
0: I'm surprised I've never seen on the internet someone built like a, a co- adult custom version like metal oh, version yeah. of Hungry Hungry Hippos or wow. something.
1: Yeah, get on it, internet. Yeah um they should do one of those mouse trap channels should right. do it yeah so it's like a, a hungry hungry hippos board that just catches
0: mice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's so depressing uh didn't mind those one channels th-
0: kill a ton of mice they which, do there's so many mice in these people's barns or whatever they're doing yeah
1: i mean are they really any different than your than any pharma uh, pharmacy not pharmacy uh that's eh, the joke is past. Uh, don't <laughs> mind this one, as it's a rare episode that remembers the original premise of the show. But I do mind a few things. One, no one, especially Kess, seems bothered that she just napalmed all the food. Good point. Two, we never see another Okampa other than Soval. I mean, Tanis. Oh, really? This this is the la- these are the last ones. I think I think he means uh, in the episode he's the oh, okay. only one that we see in the episode Oh, wait, no, another, okay okay no we do we do see one more in the episode he, he, another guy comes to the to the break room with them or the conference room
0: oh i wonder if this is the last time we see any other ones maybe maybe i'm okay. not sure uh what <laughs> great question yeah what's cold about the fire no no i'm, I'm unsure about that yeah
1: I do look forward to meeting the others in the caretaker family, though Tenebrae, Inferno, and the caretaker with the crystal plumage. <laughs> uh, three microwave vox out of five. Yes. Full 13? Uh, I'm trying to think of there's one more. It's the third movie in that uh, Mother of Something. Mother of S- Suspiria and Inferno are two movies out of a trilogy. Yeah. And the third one is Mother of Tears, I think it's called. Uh, which is not
0: very good. But Inferno, Suspiria, very good. Paul13Hero says, I hope Wes and Clay were able to inhibit their giggles for this episode. This is the episode that Voyager has to do ever since they wrote themselves into a corner cornering caretaker. But when the writers spun the plot wheel, it landed on psychokinetic evil alien child entity. Oh, well, at least we get to listen to Neelix's private thoughts during a particularly exciting haircut. Now to say "sporocystian energy" three times fast. Three banshee <laughs> kess kess screams out of five. It might be harder to say banshee kess screams than mm, it is to say sporocystian energy. Banshee banshee kess screams. Banshee kess screams. Yeah. Banshee kess screams. Sounds like ice cream after a little bit. Uh, Grappler John Zorn. Oops. This is the last. Well, uh, is it the last comment? I'll send it to you. You can read it.
1: Go ahead. Coldfire, Major Barrett is back as the voice of Suspiria. Oh, did she do that voice oh, too? No, interesting. Uh, Gary Graham gets ready for his douchebag Vulcan performance with a douchebag Ocampa performance. Kes kills some plants. Meh, out of five.
0: I think Latte Librarian already commented, but there's another comment here. Coldfire, don't get on Kess's bad side. At least she finally got a little agency. Three out of five. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts about this episode called Coldfire uh middling to middling low middling i guess would be the general patreon consensus i'd say probably 2.5 um what are you going to give this one
1: i'm going to go with a three yeah i liked it um it kept my attention uh you know the story kind of gets all wiggly woggly towards the end but you know it's it's fun
0: yeah jonas jonas predicted correctly i'm going to say it's a three as well um it was a strong three in the first half, as you were talking about, and then it just kind of settled into a regular three territory for me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just – it's um, it might just seem like it's a little bit of a bright spot because we've had a string of twos for the rest of the season, I think. Like every episode of season two has been a two for us so far, so this is like one of the few that stuck out a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to do it with us. Come back and talk to us for the halftime show. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. Let us know what ads you'd like us to run on this (laughs) podcast. Let us know what the weather is and how traffic is doing in your part of the country at this very moment. And let us know if Herb Chambers likes to sell cars wherever you live because we'd be interested. Yes, we we need to do more press for him
1: (laughs) in his car sales empire.
0: (laughs) Oh, cars. I guess we're done. Uh, anything you want to mention patreon.com slash the penske file to support the show if you want to go there you support the show that's where you go patreon.com slash the penske file clay do you have anything you want to say before we wrap this one up uh yeah uh both my issues of batman white knight red hood
1: are out right now on the comic book stands if you would be so kind as to pick one up i'd be much obliged Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah amanda and i are still trucking through the Second string of Stephen King on Patreon. Uh, we're almost done, we've only got a few left. We're getting it's getting late in the year, yeah.
0: You're in the fall which now, which is uh, a little
1: depressing. We uh, we realized, um, I guess we're probably going to be in into September when we when this comes out, but uh, uh, our last one in our in August, which was Sometimes They Come Back, we realized that we've done one, I think three stephen king ghost car movies in a row oh, okay yeah <laughs> sometimes sometimes they come back isn't an evil car but it technically is an evil car so it's that one yeah in a row we did that one um maximum overdrive and christine so it's we've uh been spending a lot of time in the automotive world of stephen king lately.
0: excellent You certainly had uh, excuse me certainly had a lot of car movies I guess he's certainly yeah. I guess the the main thing I've learned from you guys covering that is that there's a lot of Stephen King like what a so much what a prodigious creator of contents <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that well that's that the was. thing
1: the w- sometimes they come back when we get into that one the thing is it's like it's like one of those uh you know the 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 Twitter joke where it's like I put a thousand hours of Star Trek Voyager into an AI program yeah, this the script this. that it wrote it's like it's literally that which it's like we took every Stephen King short story or story and fed it into an AI computer and it came out with sometimes they come back. <laughs> it's like all, every single trope from every single Stephen King thing in one very boring place.
0: <laughs> Any regrets about covering the Stephen King second string? They're, no. Some, no, they've been good.
1: I, no, I've actually been enjoying it. Um, I because it's a lot of movies I haven't seen yeah. and uh I do I am I have been fascinated by how similar they are and the kind of the thing that we come we come the conclusion we come to on sometimes they come back anyway is uh the better ones seem to be the ones that aren't so plot heavy mm-hmm. like the ones where they kind of get wonky are the ones where it's like you know sometimes they come back is like there's a guy, and he's dealing with a traumatic past because his brother was killed by these greasers who then got hit by a train. And now there's greasers showing up who are just like the ones that got hit by a train. Are they ghosts? We don't know. We'll have to figure out if they're ghosts. Well, it turns out they're... Like, you know, it's a lot of, like, plotty stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And not a lot of just, like, sitting in the character stuff. Mm. Um, also, they tend to be better if they're directed by uh, <laughs> genre legends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not it's not a hard and fast rule because george romero did uh the dark half and that one is not that great yeah but like you know john carpenter's christine there's about a thimbleful of plot in that movie but just like the atmosphere is so good that it's it's worth watching
0: yeah yeah
1: and uh related to this episode september's
0: movie will be Firestarter.
1: so oh, okay got that to look forward
0: to a lot of fire themed in yeah. september Patreon.com/slash/SupinskiAl Twisted Firestarter. Thank you very much for being our prodigy. I suppose he couldn't really fit that one bottle,
1: in. But
0: listen, that's a. I still like those songs. I, I can't listen to them uh, without feeling embarrassed. So I'll shut the windows if I'm listening to them or something. But I still, mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. enjoy them. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time with whatever the next episode is, which I'm going to click. I guess it's maneuvers. So we'll see you then. Bye.